So I have the million dollar question for you. Are social networks like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, are they healthy for you or are they killing you? Today's book of the day is a fascinating one. The Village Effect by Susan Pinker. She says how face-to-face -face contact can make us healthier, happier, and smarter. Everywhere you go, you're going to hear two trains of thought. One is going to say, turn off the social network, stop using Facebook, Twitter, stop checking your email so much. It's not healthy. You're going to hear other people, guys like Mark Zuckerberg, of course, he's a little biased, saying that no, Facebook, social networks are connecting you to people you've never been able to keep up with well in history. You know, in history, you move, you lose touch with people. Now we have these social networks. Everything's at our fingertips, old friendships. So let's lay the groundwork here. I think before you, you know, in these book of the days, I really want to lay the groundwork so that you can make your own decision. Here's what the research says. Um, first of all, well, let me jump into it. Research shows that playing cards once a week or meeting friends every Wednesday night at Starbucks adds as many years to your life as taking beta blockers or quitting a pack-a-day smoking habit. I read that. If that science is true, uh, that's revolutionary. You know, we've all heard and know all the research that tobacco is bad for you, but playing poker regularly with friends or going out every Wednesday to coffee has the same effect? Man, that's a drug. The reason we don't hear about this as much, by the way, is because you can't package that up in a bottle and sell it. There's not as much money, so nobody's going to talk about it. It gets lost in books like this, and most people don't read, and all this good research is lost, unfortunately, in the world. Everybody's watching the Academy Awards. I was watching that the other day. That was a waste of my time. It was a horrible Academy Awards, in my opinion. But I'm thinking... Good books like this, they're showing us how to live life. Academy Awards gets millions of people watching. Your life's not benefited at all by it. You know, maybe there's an entertainment value, but there's no investment in your future livelihood. So anyway, you know, I was thinking about myself when I read this. Playing poker every Wednesday? I was doing this. I used to have a card game at my house. I'm not a big poker player, but I'd have ping pong games. Just have, you know, 5, 10, 20 friends over. And it's like one of those things. I don't know why I do this. You probably, you know, you find something good and then you stop doing it for some magical reason. And I was thinking back, and I was thinking about that even before I read this book. I was like, that was fun. I think we'd do it every Monday or Tuesday. We'd have a game night. Now, I've got knowledge in my head that's going to motivate me. That's one of the reasons I tell people, make sure you read a lot. Make sure you double down in all ways. Conferences, seminars, courses, you know, people think I'm anti-college. I'm not anti-college. In fact, I just think college shouldn't be the only way you learn. You should learn lifelong at all moments. You don't know how long you have on this planet, like Seneca says. In your fears, you act mortal, but in your desires, you act immortal. You can't act, well, I, I'm going to live a great life. You desire a great life in the future. Do it today. So, you know, I read a book a day. I hope you'll join me. Uh... Now, I teach people, people get confused. They say, Ty, you don't actually read a book a day. I actually do. Even though I teach other people how to skim, I actually read a book. So when I was reading through this book, I just stumbled across some great chapters here, great nuggets. How about this one? University of California study in 06 found that 3,000 women with breast cancer, that the women with a large network of in-person friends were four times more likely to survive 
as women who didn't have a large social connection, uh, a large group of uh, social, uh, a large social group. Stephen Cole in 2007, and this is mind blowing because we're talking epigenetics at the very genetic code housed inside your body at a microscopic level. He found and his team at UCLA discovered that social contacts switch on and off the genes that regulate your immune response to cancer and the rate of tumor growth. That means no matter what set of code you were born with, whatever genes you think you should have had or wish you didn't have, you have the ability to morph and transform your body. This isn't some hippie new age thing. This is science right out of UCLA. If you get this thing called social wrong, and this book, by the way, she calls herself, what did she call herself? It's interesting. It's a new, it's a kind of a new angle on the science of um, uh, neuroscience. I think it's called social neuroscience. How our brain is affected by our social lives. Now, women and men, men tend to die a heck of a lot younger than women. One of the reasons that researchers have found is that women have a lot more friends. Now, why is that? This book doesn't totally talk on it, but we know. Women have, have about 15 times less testosterone and about 15 times more estrogen, 10 to 20, depending on the person. It varies. But uh, testosterone is an aggression hormone in men. It causes territorialism. It causes, uh, you know, warlike jealousy, all these type of things. So men, as we get older, what's the general trend for most men? that you know. Just take it anecdotally or for yourself. Most men have less and less friends. My grandpa, by the time he was 70 or 80, my grandma said he had no friends. He had ostracized all of them. Too much testosterone, too much competitive nature. He was a scientist. So for you, whether you're a male or a female, what's the implications? One study in Sardinia in Italy said that Women, they found one village. In fact, she did this in this book. She studied this Italian mountain villages, and she found an area in Sardinia where six times as many people live to age 100 or beyond than in any modern city in the world, okay? In some of the villages, the ratio was 10 to 1, so 10 times more. And she says... It had to do with the glue-like social bonds of the village life. So, however your life is currently structured, the science is in. Whether I'm not even going to get in and fully address the issue of whether you should have a social network. The way that I look at it um, is very simple. If your social networks, and, and by the way, email is a social network. If your social network is driving you away from face-to-face -face contact, then you need to cut the social networks. So if you're using them as a replacement, if you're using them uh, you know, as a substitute, if social networks are driving you closer, if you're using them to reconnect with friends you haven't found forever, then clearly keep up the social networking. It's like all things. It's a little bit of balance in both. The end game, though, here is huge. She says, uh, one of the problems with Facebook is what Tolstoy said in War and Peace. We are connecting to a crowd, a numberless multitude of people, of whom no one is close and no one is distant. So if you're playing World of Warcraft and you're sitting behind your phone just emailing every day, 
Try something practical. And this book gave some practical things. Set up a once a week meeting somewhere. I, I, I'm going to do that myself. Remember, as the Dalai Lama said, the three levels of knowledge, hearing, understanding, and making it instinctual. So if you just hear the knowledge in this video or the, from this book, or you contemplate it, it has no effect on giving you a better life. What you got have to do, what you must do, is actually put this into actuality, into practicality, which would be set up a weekly meeting with friends. Um, unfortunately, we live in a world where loneliness is on the rise. Middle-aged people are lonely. Young people. It says between 12 to 23% of people say they have nobody to talk to. And I'll give you a, a cool little um, gauge of the type of friendships you want. Okay, because as Tolstoy was saying, we have this faceless crowd. We think we have social connections, but they don't really count. Here's one on, on uh, uh, Matthew Bashir's a socio sociology professor at Cornell. And one of the authors of the study said, people we can go to if we're in trouble who would give you a substantial loan, who would help you. They're the important key people. Okay, so if you're looking at the definition of friendships, it's not necessarily about having a social circle where you have 10,000 acquaintances spread around the globe and you, you know, wish them happy birthday on their Facebook wall. You need to have deep in-person connections. And if we use with this Bashir's guy, the sociology professor's litmus test, they need, just use that test. Of the friends, how many of them would give you a loan if you were in time of trouble? 20 to 40% of older adults report feeling lonely. Now, great little note that the uh, Capoccio was another researcher from the University of, of Chicago was, founding, was finding uh, on loneliness. You must remember, the reason you feel lonely because oftentimes when people feel lonely, they do things to cover it up. Maybe you've tried it. Maybe you you hear people saying, oh, I, I just sit on my, grab an ice cream, uh, you know, a box of ice cream and a spoon, and I sit lonely and watch TV reruns all night. Don't do that because this book gets into the why have our brains uh, adopt, adapted and kept this feeling called loneliness. Well, the reason is, she says, like physical or pain or hunger loneliness effective says hey, effectively says hey you if you don't find your people or they don't find you you're a loner we evolve from villages uh the village type atmosphere we evolve from being in a group that's why large cities uh are, are so widespread and so attractive to people because in our deepest psyche hidden in the deepest recesses of our brain is a feeling that we're more secure in a group there's some truth to that and obviously Sometimes you're not always safer in a big city, but nonetheless, our ancestral uh, uh, instincts drive us to not be alone. And you'll probably never be able to get rid of that. Don't try to get rid of it. Some people tell, oh, you know, the answers are all within. The happiness must all be found within. This has been disproven by these scientists. They now have more information uh, by using these modern brain scanning machines. If human beings evolved at a time when social cohesion meant survival, while social isolation meant starvation, predation, and certain death, if our big brains evolved to interact, loneliness is an early warning system. 
So if you're feeling loneliness, if you're feeling like you don't have those interactions, don't just point the finger at something oversimplified and say it's because of Gmail, it's because of Facebook, it's because of Twitter. I find these things don't have to necessarily, at least in my experience, your experience might be different, they don't have to ruin your in-person. Just be sure you don't use them as a substitute. Use them to actually boost the face-to-face -face interaction. Okay? So I have a question for you. Uh, what's an example where you've been able to use social networks to drive you to more quality face-to-face -face interaction? And number two, what's an example where you're spending too much time isolating yourself or trying to substitute real friendships, weekly get-togethers on a routine basis uh, where you've used any kind of electronic or just maybe you're wallowing in loneliness. You better get out of it. <laughs> you better get out of that. You know, people that are lonely, I'm like, listen, I feel bad for you. I've been lonely. Everybody's felt lonely. There's only one solution. You got to take action. You got to put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants. Get out there. Take a little courage. Take a courage shot and say, I'm going to go out there on a limb and I'm going to reach out. And I recommend don't always look for new friends. Uh, Jonathan Haidt, the professor and author of Happiness Hypothesis, I interviewed him and he told me, he said, Ty, look for what's called companionative friendships. And that's only forged over long periods of time of people that you've known. So the best use of social network, in my experience, is rekindle a friendship from junior high, from elementary school. Set up a routine times. Tell them, hey, once a week I have coffee. I have, uh, you know, at Starbucks, we meet at a we go surfing together or we go jogging or we go to Runyon Canyon or we read a book together. Find some set routine. I thought that was a great point in this book. And remember, this is, according to the research here, this is as good as any drug you could take to regulating and reducing the chances of cancer and all that kind of stuff you want to keep away and finding the good life. I'm all about the good life, health, wealth, love, and happiness. This falls in that third love category. So let me know how it works for you. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe here to get the most cutting-edge stuff I'm letting out. And also, uh, if you're listening to this audio podcast, check it out. And uh, also, check out tylopez.com. You can join my Book of the Day Club where I give you for absolutely free um, a Book of the Day review that I do. So, talk to you soon.